0: Hello there, my conscientious friends from around the globe. It's Oliver here, and a very warm welcome to the Natural High Club, which is about the pursuit of happiness in all its glorious forms. In this episode, an energy special, I speak to Tom Luff, who works for the British government to find new ways to power the world in a sustainable fashion. We discuss the question of whether we're completely buggered moving forward, or if we have the necessary plans and measures in place, for a seamless transition from fossil fuels to more sustainable power sources over the coming decades and beyond. It's a shorter than normal podcast, but as well as our primary conversation about the planet, we still managed to get some of Tom's natural highs in there, including a fascinating novel by Jean-Paul Sartre. As usual, you can get in touch with me with any questions, suggestions or comments by emailing oliver at naturalhigh.club or tweeting me at naturalhighclub. Enjoy the show, Tom. Hey, how you doing? I had sassy. I got the right guy. That was real pot luck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think. I don't know if there are other ones on there, but yeah. Um, no, making out as if you've got a really rare name. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's not. Not that. It's not that common. No, it's but. not that common. How are you? How are the Dickens? Good, yeah, really good. and how's parenthood because I you know I know you Tom as a very very busy busy man and I wonder how you've managed yeah. to assimilate another extra huge element in your life
1: um it's it's simply a priority thing that with Dennis um I kind of realize that he's much more important and I spend much more time with him and and outside work and leave generally I mean i'm I'm not as good at leaving as I would like to be like leaving on time as I'd like to be but um it's it's definitely definitely possible but
0: you must be working less hours then if we, with dennis as well
1: i think i'm working less hours but i'm probably um doing more, more more productive yeah um i realized when i was working uh longer hours which is um that time to think is really important and the time to think isn't always you know if if you work if you contain your hours a bit more and work reasonable hours and you're not really exhausted then you have much more time to think and you you make better decisions i think
0: could I use the term smart working, maybe? Would that be at all appropriate?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Well, that's that's a term that I've been trying to use. Not not so much for myself, but actually, when we do um, when we do moderations and sort of appraisals of people at work to decide, you know, what what kind of how to, how to rate them, I, I've really pushed the term smart working because. There's a tendency to think, well, let's reward people who kind of like manage big crises and that kind of stuff. But actually, the best people really are the ones that work smart and avoid those kind of things from happening and make the right decisions early on. So, yeah, I think smart smart work is, is the right way. So all about the output,
0: isn't it, rather than when you clock on and when you clock off, surely, in this day and age. Exactly. Um, we're moving on to work more quickly than I'd like, but um, we will move on to more, le- <laughs> more leisurely aspects of life again in a minute. But basically, Tom, and uh, just to explain to my uh, to my show, Tom and I go back a long way. As far as I can remember, he's always done some important-sounding job for the Ministry of Defence or the government in general. But when I looked at your most recent job title on LinkedIn, I saw head of financial incentives, um, comma, clean electricity. And I thought that's exactly the sort of person that I would like to interview. Uh, Someone who can tell me what the hell's going on with the status quo in terms of energy in this world, hopefully, hopefully. So I wonder if you can tell me, um, to a degree that you're comfortable with, what your job entails.
1: Funnily enough, um, since uh, since I put that stuff on LinkedIn, maybe this is a good thing about LinkedIn. I actually got um, sort of a promotion, which is which is quite nice. Um, so the the work um, really it's about trying to get more um, clean electricity. So um, our electricity is traditionally produced by fossil fuels. That's kind of gas, coal, but there's also um, a bit of nuclear in the mix as well um, and the aim of the work is to change that mix so we have more low carbon electricity or clean electricity uh, which might be uh, uh renewable uh electricity uh, it might be more more nuclear electricity and it might be um uh, things called uh carbon capture and storage which is where you have fossil fuels but you, you kind of keep the uh emissions uh from there um, and my, my, my particular focus has been on renewables, and I've been leading a couple of um, support schemes, basically, to pay for, help pay for renewable electricity. Because the problem uh, with renewable electricity is it's tended to be more expensive than uh, coal and gas. So the only way uh, we've found to get people to produce it is to give them a little bit of a top-up so that it's worth their while, and then they go from... It.
0: so how long have fossil fuels got left is can you estimate how long it is before that resource completely dries up coal and gas and things like that
1: yeah that's a good question i mean um to be honest i don't think anyone really knows because um there's there's quite a lot of it in the ground but then it's the cost that you have to pay to extract it so you can keep you can keep putting more money into it and get getting more and more out um but at some point you're going to say it's not really worth it. We might as well use other forms of of power instead.
0: Uh, do we have a good plan in place for renewable fuels for the next century and alternative um, sources of energy, or would you say that we are in crisis already?
1: Um, I, I'm I'm not a scientist, so I wouldn't I wouldn't tell you um, categorically where we are on on sort of actually is the planet now beyond beyond repair. Um, I think the Paris deal that that was reached um at the end of last year was a really good step forward and by all accounts um the experts were saying you know if we can do all of this this is just about this is just about enough and then and then we should be um we should be on a kind of a sustainable footing
0: can you explain quickly what happened in
1: paris so what what happened in paris was every every year for the last Uh, well since about 1997 uh, lots and lots in fact probably even before that but lots and lots of um, meetings around the world to bring together all the different countries to say um, can you commit to reducing your emissions and what happened in Paris was there was a bit of a breakthrough in terms of um, where the experts wanted us to get to Uh, there was a breakthrough in, in terms of countries kind of signing up to Uh, to meet that that sort of target.
0: It's a difficult one, that, isn't it? Because I suppose, you know, a country, for example, like America would be sort of forthright about the idea of reducing you know, carbon emissions, et cetera, in their, in their industry. But then a country like China, for example, would possibly have a problem with that because they're a real manufacturing country at the moment, aren't they? And America's already gone past that, I suppose, in many ways. They've become a service sector country, you know, a country which is strong in terms of financial institutions. So do you understand where I'm going with that?
1: Yeah, definitely. That's the big thing. And um, that's why it's been so hard to reach an agreement um, and, um, you know, quite honestly, we, we need to recognize the fact that we've already gone through all of that um, hard work and we've pumped out loads of emissions uh, in the past um, to get to the level of development that we have in this country and, and America has in, in, over there. Um, so we do definitely need to recognize that it's not it's not a level playing field like that. And, and that's what the deal that's what the deal aims to do and particularly for for really poor countries mm. um it recognizes that and there's uh, there, there's sort of transfers you know we will be paying for um decarbonization in in those countries for example the uk we you know, i think we we give uh, a number of billion pounds um into a fund to pay for uh, kind of you know renewable electricity and stuff in uh, poorer countries. That's
0: um, that's really interesting because I wondered whether big governments, powerful governments, were were sensitive to those sorts of issues because obviously they're really relevant, aren't they? Exactly. I, if you asked me, I'm a layman. Okay, I'm interested in energy, but I know nothing about it. If you asked me uh, about which sources we should be using for clean energy. I would instinctively and immediately say to you that we should harness the natural elements in this world, you know, and that the cleanest and therefore most efficient sources of energy would be wind, solar and water. Could we, is it possible to run the world on those sources, power sources alone, and is enough investment going into those areas, or are they just not efficient or commercially attractive enough for big businesses and for governments?
1: Okay, yeah, that's that, that's 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 really interesting. That's that's the kind of heart of um, of my conundrum at the moment. Um, and, and as to say, my my focus has been trying to get renewable electricity to be deployed. Um, now, um, renewable. What we what do we have? We've got those things that you mentioned. So wind, solar. Um, we've got uh, maybe a bit of tidal and and wave. Uh, power, maybe some hydro from rivers and, and, and that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, as I said, at the moment, it is it is more expensive, um, but the costs are coming down. And what, what we need to do is make sure that we're focusing on our, our efforts and actually also that the industry is focusing their efforts on bringing those costs down so that at some point in the future, hopefully in the next decade, it will be as competitive as uh, as uh, fossil fuels, and it will be able to compete without us having to pay for it. Because what, what you need to remember is that the other side of the equation is people have to pay for this stuff. So um, And actually, at the moment, they pay for it through their electricity bills. And nobody really likes paying more money than they think they need to in their electricity bills. So that the sooner we can bring the costs down so that actually it's, it's cheaper, um, the better.
0: How much of our technological advancements where it comes to um, renewable fuels is being driven by big business and how much by governments?
1: Um, I think it's got to be a mixture. Um, I mean, there are different schools of thought. And some people say, basically, just let business do it all itself. And I think that's a bit misleading, because um, sometimes there isn't really incentive to do that. There's not the demand for it without government kind of creating that demand. Um, But then again, what you can't do, and I don't think what what public would really like is give government did it all itself, and then um, ended up spending a lot of money and maybe not making the right decisions. So it's a mixed, it's a mixed thing. Um, But but certainly there's a need for some some uh, uh, intervention, but maybe maybe less so in the future.
0: Do you think that big businesses are concerned more with the short term, maybe? And, you know, and as you've already spoken about the sort of cost of producing cleaner fuel, uh, they they haven't quite got the economies of scale there yet. So they're rather just stick with what they've got.
1: Yeah, there, there, there's, I'm sure there's an element of that. I mean, some of the, you know, I, I think the order of things got, has got to be government's got to set a direction and say this is where we want to get to, um, and then give businesses that vision so that they can they can work out well what's the best. Um, how do I how do I kind of exploit that market in a positive way? Because obviously they that's what they're about. They're about kind of d- filling needs in order to make money, but government sets the vision, market then finds the opportunities. But along the way. Uh, you might need some aspect of kind of either government paying for things or actually in other ways, government of saying you can't do these things. And so an example of that is by 2025, we've recently said in this country that we're not going to have any more coal power plants at all. We're going to phase them out altogether.
0: I suppose if we assume that one of the main objectives of of any government in a a democratic process, in reality, if one of their main aims is to secure power for the following term, i.e. a few years down the line, does that sort of push long-term plans, you know, thing for energy, for example, down the priority list? Do governments perhaps not put enough importance and investments on such agendas as they know it will be a hard sell to sort of increase income tax to solve the problem, or just redelegate a lot of funds to solve a problem which is fifty years away from from sort of yeah, yeah. coming to you know coming to a head. Yeah, they
1: do, and I'd say I'd say two things on that. One is. Um, uh, you know, you need uh, international cooperation um, to hold other countries, you know, each other to account. Because if you just look at it on in your own terms, there is that tendency to kind of, um, you know, turn the other way and say, well, it's a long term thing. Let's just focus on the here and now and then you don't solve the problem. So if you have international cooperation, like, you know, as I said, the Paris deal, but also actually through the Through through Europe and and the cooperation there, you you can kind of um, get get better accountability. But the the other thing is, in this country, we um, put into law a long term plan um, that is kind of doesn't matter which government is in place. um, You have maintain um, a pathway to reducing the emissions. Fantastic. Are there some really
0: are there some really strict and obvious and transparent metrics in that plan, or is it a little bit vague or? Are there some measurable targets?
1: Yeah, it it is very clear cut. I mean, there's a very defined um, end point, which is by 2050, we have to have 80% less emissions than we did in 1990. Right. And that's that's very clear. And then there's a pathway to getting there and actually to help things. There's an independent um, body called the Committee on Climate Change, which isn't part of government, but that's um, there to say, these are the things that we recommend you do. Um, and then Parliament holds the government to, to account uh, in, in terms of whether it's met those um, sort of um, milestones or not.
0: Do international governments and international bodies, do they work together unhindered on energy solutions, as they should do and as they should do in, in you know many other areas as well? Or is there some kind of hidden agenda and sort of technological secrecy between nations, sort of, you know, a race to the to the top in terms of harnessing marketing and profiting from the next big energy resources
1: yeah um i think um i think there is you know there's definitely cooperation um uh there's there's different again some different schools of thought as it were about what the best way of doing that is and and definitely the market has to play a big part of that and if they're not able to Kind of then get profits for making you know new innovations. Then there's not really an incentive for them to sure. do that. But then again, by cooperating and really targeting uh, funding in a in a kind of a cooperative way, uh, a coordinated way actually across the world. Um, can probably get better results, so um, it's, it's got to be it's got to be a mixture, um, a mixture of those two things.
0: Mm-hmm. And do, and in reality, do you think that we are all helping each other? Do we have a common goal that we're all working towards, or do you think that there is some? You no, know, obviously, as you say, money's got a big part to play in this whole energy solution, hasn't it? And
1: if yeah, well, you know, I I don't know really. Um, I think that we've got some really positive and good renewable technology. Solar, for example, that's come down in cost um, significantly over the last five and ten years. Um, to the extent that, in some places, uh, like in Mexico, it's kind of competing with fossil fuels already, which is which is really amazing. Awesome. Um, wind power um, in in this country, um, particularly offshore wind, uh, has a has a huge potential. Uh, it's coming down in cost quite quite significantly. So you know, they're, they're, and actually, hydropower, which is something that we've been doing for a long time, and we forget it's a renewable power sometimes. Um, that that's that's um, been you know really, it's quite an established technology already. So I'm not sure if there's necessarily like a big I mean, I'm sure there will be all sorts of new technologies that come in and, and change, change the way we see things. Um, but I, I think the, the thing at the moment is, can we keep getting it built? Um, and that will gradually drive down the cost.
0: In theory, could we roll out a, a solution which is purely based on wind, water and solar? Is that at all possible or do you think it's going to have to be part of the solution just because of pure economics?
1: Well, that's that's a really that's a really, really good question, and uh, it's, it's sort of like the million million dollar question. Because um, you know, if I came at this as a pure kind of environmentalist, I'd say let's just do that, let's just do renewables. That's got to be the cleanest way. Um, the first thing to say is you're right. The cost has to be part of the consideration. And is that is, is it right to go straight to that, or is there a period where you you go through? Slightly more expensive sorry slightly cheaper technologies which might not be quite so clean until you end up with more uh, of the pure clean stuff. The other thing just to think about is um, how the how they create electricity and obviously if you wind if you're a wind power producer, you can only create electricity when the wind is blowing sure right which is different to, to gas which is it's on all the time and obviously at the moment you know if I if I go home and I want to switch the light on, I don't want to think, well, is it windy or not? And therefore, can I switch my light on? I just want to have electricity straight away. So there is a lot of work going on thinking about, well, how do you better balance the the sort of electricity system so that instead of having to um, have the sort of demand, uh, sorry, the supply following the demand, i.e. switch my light on, therefore, you need to have gas burning, have it maybe more the other way around which is actually do I need to have um uh that electricity produced all the time or can I spread it out like having you know storage if you had like more batteries then it wouldn't matter so much when the wind was blowing because you'd store your battery up and then use it when you need it um actually there's one one final thing I'd say on that which is a bit bit kind of complex to get to explain I probably won't explain it very well but it's something called um, demand-side management or demand-side response. And that's where you kind of say, well, um, there are some things in your house that you might not need to use all the time, um, but at the moment we do. So an example is like a fridge. You've got that on all, all the time and it's always electricity, but but actually you could turn it off for a few seconds and it wouldn't really matter Um and- And you turn it back on again, and it doesn't affect anything about, you know, inside your fridge, but it just means that you can reduce the, if you do that with a million fridges across the country, you've reduced the um, amount of electricity that's needed. um, And that can can be um, a a really good way of balancing it instead of having to create more uh, electricity.
0: You articulated that beautifully, in fact, and that's a really interesting point. I'm sure we could become much, much more efficient with our use of electricity, without a doubt. And talking about efficient fuel, would you say then that nuclear fuel is here to stay? Um, Part of that question, I suppose, is um, what's the difference, I'd like to know, what the difference is between nuclear fission and nuclear fusion? And what about fracking? It even sounds horrific. and And I've heard that it's got some really negative side effects. What, what about these, these three forms of, of, uh, of power? Are they, yeah. Is there any future in any of
1: those? Every technology has kind of pluses and minuses sure. to some extent. So there isn't there isn't going to be a silver bullet. And um, really from a kind of, uh, if you're going to be sensible about this, you want to have a mix of different technologies, uh, You know, at, at least for the early stage until you know which one is going to be the long-term future. Because if you put all your eggs in one basket, you might end up uh, you know, uh, with, with problems. Um, nuclear, um, I always get mistaken between what is fission and fusion, I'm afraid. Uh, but, uh, one, one of them is a proven technology that we already have. Um, the, the other one could be amazing. It could be a massive game changer, but, but it's always just out of reach in terms of the, uh, the, the technological development. So we, 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 we haven't actually been able to do it in a way that's, that's kind of cost effective yet. People have thought, well, maybe it's just around the corner, um, but but it but it, it's never quite materialised. I mean, it's a big percentage of yeah. our fuel consumption these days, isn't it? Nuclear fuel. We we've got twenty percent or so, something like that. There's a great um, app you can get. I don't know what, what the name of it is anymore, but uh, it shows you at any given time what what our electricity mix is. Wow. And so it tells you how much is renewables, how much is uh, coal, how much is gas, how much is nuclear. It's really it's really good. Oh, I'd love um,
0: to find out what that's called. I will definitely do some research on that. So uh, um, what about what about fracking but, but Tom? yeah
1: you're right fracking uh, fracking is probably the most kind of contentious uh, issue at the moment in in the energy space, or Am I right or, or in thinking them, they're doing it a lot in the states? Yeah, America's doing it a lot. we 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 we've got the go ahead to do it, and um, uh, uh, but there's been lots of lots of kind of backlash, and especially from the kind of the the environmental groups that um, are saying, you know, how can you say that you want to reduce your emissions when you're doing all this work to produce more gas? Um, and and I think that's I think that's probably looking at slightly the wrong way which is you know we are with there's still in our plans quite a long time left where we will still need to use gas and if we can reduce the cost of that gas then that's that's a good thing and if we can reduce the uh the instability or increase the stability with which we can we can get it then then that's a good thing there's there's been a link um put forward by some people that say that it creates earthquakes um now i think that i think there is a very very minor uh, link there, which obviously, you know, if you're in the region, you'd want to understand and 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 think is that is that a risk worth paying? Um, but um, I think I think it's been proven that it's a very very small um, link. So I mean I don't know. I'm I'm overall I would think that it would be great if we could do as much as possible from from renewable stuff. But while we're still using. And gas um, it's a sensible thing to, to kind of get the the uh, the, the resources uh, where we can
0: in your opinion uh, your experience which energy sources is sort of garnering or gaining the most interest uh, amongst um, governments and, and big businesses right now which is the one that's getting the most that's gaining the most sort of generating the most excitement.
1: Um, it's got to be solar, um, and that's that's because it's a global it's a global phenomenon, and um, there are lots of countries now that are thinking, you know, we could we could do a whole load of solar, um, and it's probably about the you know not too much more expensive, uh, if if at all, than fossil fuels, and especially if you combine it perhaps with some kind of storage system, which means that, because obviously solar, the problem with solar is you can only use it in the daytime. But if you can combine it with with, so, uh, with storage, then, then that would be great. I mean, I think for this country, um, offshore wind is the um, is the one to watch. Um, and uh, we've already got the world's biggest resource of onshore wind. And, you know, in, in terms of the number of wind farms we've got out at sea, um, we're kind of getting further and further out, uh, which is giving us more and more um electricity production um and 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 i should say you know about offshore wind is that you don't get kind of people saying well i don't really like the look of that um uh, or, or, you know in my in my backyard kind of thing um it's something that's out at sea and and um uh, and sort of isn't isn't so visible to people
0: uh, we're talking about wind power terminals right i think they look great you know
1: i do i do too um such a small price to pay for clean energy yeah, I, I do too. I think I think there's clearly um a, a chunk of society that that doesn't like it. And especially in the kind of you know, in the green fields. But I you know, I think it I think it looks great. But then again, I quite like the look of some pylons as well. But I know a lot of people don't realize do that. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. But but I I kinda of, maybe I'm a bit more pragmatic a bit more pragmatic about it. I think, well, you know, this is stuff that's carrying electricity to people. So, you know, it's very it's very useful. Uh, and therefore, I, 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 I pref- you know, I don't, I don't, I can put up with it. It's very
0: interesting what you're talking about, sort of um, being able to store power and and ge- energy as well. I've been reading quite a lot recently about Tesla, and and would they be relevant to this discussion? Because I think they're developing. Yeah, sale.
1: absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So I think they're basically a car a car manufacturer that's their that's their core thing um and they've gone into electric vehicles which is uh, a potential game changer sort of for the future and their key thing is uh, the battery so if they can get kind of cheap enough batteries that are efficient and effective um, then that will be the thing that they need to get electric cars uh, to be really competitive against uh, other cars to your
0: knowledge are they sort of finding ways to store energy in a different way with these batteries or um
1: i don't know if it's storing in a different way um i think it's just making them more efficient i mean i i'm sure it is doing it in a different way but in a way that i don't i don't understand Um, but it's still it's still you know as you and i would think of it as a battery also there are different types of storage i mean i don't know if tesla is doing it so much because tesla's kind of focusing particularly on on the sort of the battery kind of thing but there are other things uh like for example you know you pump water um, up a hill when you've got the electricity and then you keep it up there until you need it Ah. and then you let it go down the hill and it turns Sort of a turbine, um, and there are other other kind of things, uh, you know, new things um, that that we're that we're learning how to do like that, that that could uh that could help you
0: wielded all the power in the world in terms of finding a solution if you were the man to flick the switches to find a solution for our energy crisis what would be your top line decisions to expedite and and, and ensure the yeah the proliferation of the human race
1: um uh, that's i mean it's a it's a it's a big that's a big one um i don't think there's a single a single thing i mean you know you need to use the various kind of policy tools available so International cooperation is is key because no country can do this on their own, both in terms of, um, you know, if we reduce our uh, emissions in this country, then we're only like 1% of of what's going on in the world. So international cooperation, I think um, there's definitely still a part to play for uh, supporting uh, new technologies like renewables to bring their costs down. But I think you've got to do that in the context of saying, you know, that's not going to be there forever. That support has to gradually phase out so that the uh, technologies can stand on their own two feet in the future. I talked about uh, sort of what's called the smart agenda, which is about storage, about um, uh, more efficient use of our assets. So um, rather than always having to turn up electricity production when you need demand. Maybe you can better match the demand with with the production you've got, but obviously in a way that doesn't that, 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 that consumers are happy with. Uh, and, I, and I think yeah, overall a kind of uh, a mix of technologies until you know for for, for the medium term at least. But I, I I guess my my vision my vision would be you know in the future, uh, in in the UK let's say um, specifically uh, a, a, a situation where you have you know lots of offshore wind because the cost has come right down you have every pretty much every rooftop has solar on it including on factories uh, and and supermarkets and things like that particularly on places like that uh, yeah particularly on places like that um possibly some nuclear um to, to to back you up um you have almost no gas and coal um and you you help balance the system with lots of storage in people's houses and and they use electric cars and you have sort of smart meters which means that there are signals sent instantaneously that allow you know your various appliances to be turned on when the electricity is being produced um and you're at work and you don't know you know you don't don't really care about it rather than um all being turned on at the same time when when the when the electricity isn't being produced
0: the internet of things would it be somewhere in that sort of realm
1: yeah exactly exactly
0: I look around me these days and I sort of go for a walk in the evening streets for example and I see Shops, massive shops with all of the massive, crazy light display displaying all their stuff when the shops closed. And I, I think about our use of energy and it's, it's, it's absolutely unbelievable when you look at a small area of the world and think the whole world uses that sort of energy. Do you think there's going to be a time in the next 50 or 100 years where we really do have to ration our energy more, where we're forced to ration our energy because the transition between fossil fuels and renewable fuels or whatever our solution becomes is not seamless Do you think there's going to be a period, uh, you know, where we're changing over, or do you think it's been planned sort of well enough that we're never going to really have to take our foot off off the gas? And the second half of that question, just so I get it all into one, is I'm the sort of person that wants to sort of increasingly take responsibility for myself. Um, So regardless of the world politics and, you know, the general movement of the world, I'd like to think that I'm, you know, being as efficient as I can. So what could I do on a micro level? What can I do to improve the energy situation?
1: Okay, um... I think on on the first one, um, it's it's a really it's a really difficult uh, question because when you look at those lights on in the night in, in the evening and you think that's just a pure waste, um, you you've got you have got to wonder well actually is it so if the lights weren't on would you go into that shop and if well if you didn't go into the shop then those guys are sort of thinking well that's our own business you know that's that you know so it's actually worth keeping the lights on so people come in. For now that's point. a pretty crass way of putting it, but but, but I think I think we will what we what we, what human race is good at doing is gradually in making kind of small improvements and getting more efficient so um what we sh- what we should be doing is is having uh as you said the internet of things um that that would would say well do we really need to have the the heating on when we're at work well no we don't obviously let's so we'll, we'll turn it off uh, and those kind of things so will, will it be really really rationed um i mean i don't know i think um Uh, Time will tell uh, whether we get to some major, major crisis like that. I I would hope not because I'd hope that, um, you know, we we continue to have electricity, hopefully clean electricity that allows us to do the things that we need to do and, you know, um, uh, have uh, livelihoods and uh, and economic growth and everything. So yeah. So I've got Dennis in now. So um...
0: what do you like with Dennis? Are you really like sort of gooey and oh just yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, most of the time. <laughs> he started crying when I said that there wasn't going to be a crisis. So maybe he thinks I should be a bit more a bit more cautious. Than that. <laughs> um, but but the but the other thing was about what you personally can do i think there's there's yeah. plenty of things um you can think do things like you know get get sort of smart technology that allows you to know what what your electricity energy consumption is um and then you can sort of do things that will, will allow you to reduce it um or to be much more efficient in it are those uh, things ready, uh, and, are those pieces of
0: technology it. sort of readily available now on the market
1: yeah, yeah, they are, they are readily available. You can get them um, and, uh, you know, sort of in-home displays. You can get them sort of going straight to your phone, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and I think that's really good.
0: Is there a specific product that you could recommend? I know that's a difficult question, but is there something that I could, where I could begin my research to have a look into a certain product or brand? Yeah, or, I mean, uh, you, should,
1: you should have a look at things like Hive and Nest, uh, the, these, these products that kind of um, are home energy systems um and uh and i think those those can be those can be quite good they just sort of pull the
0: plug on things which aren't which aren't working efficiently basically whilst you're out and about
1: yeah i mean um i think that at its simplest they will um do things like turn off the heating when when you don't want it on and it but it but it's uh, some some of it is just making it really easy for you so you've got it on your phone and you can just you know turn, it on, turn on your your app and then uh, very easily uh, adjust the the temperature and things like that um uh, but can you know they can also automate it so it does it automatically at certain times and i think actually a subtle one that people can do is they can just think actually what what energy do i really need and what do i not mind so much about and there's also always kind of lots of stories about people worrying about information about their you know electricity usage being shared and somehow that being really sinister and everything like that i mean you know maybe people some people might have concerns but actually for the majority of us we probably don't so we shouldn't worry about i think we shouldn't worry about that kind of stuff and i think we should kind of embrace um that that kind of sharing of information that allows um, us to be using our electricity and energy more more efficiently i was going to say there are bigger things you can do like you know you can put solar panels on your roof if if you've got a roof um Uh, You can think about, um, you know, uh, you can think about when, you know, your lifestyle and, and when you travel, can you work from home? Uh, does that does that help? Does that you know uh, reduce reduce your your footprint and things like that? The you know more classic things.
0: Yeah, again, that's a really interesting one. It's a question I've asked other people as well. Do you think that you know in sort of 50 or a few generations' time there will be a, a big move towards people working more from home?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I, to the extent that I heard this story, I don't know if it's true, but um, someone works as a training um, uh, consultant or a major. Kind of global uh, public sector organisation uh, who um, made the business case that they could be based, they could base themselves in Thailand uh, and and basically you know do their job just as effectively than being based in London uh, and uh, managed to they managed to do that. So they basically just video conference all the time uh, and it, sound, it sounds quite cool. Um, I, I don't know, I don't know if it works, but i think i think it does and i think um you know we've got systems in place where people can work from home and it's just the same you know as as, as being in the office also it'll be really exciting because then we could open up you know people will be working all over the world and you know uh you're not, you wouldn't be limited to to, to, to specific locations. Yeah. you could you could go anywhere
0: that'd be absolutely amazing i think the practical um considerations for managed senior management and for companies is Would they be able to, you know, oversee and manage the output and the productivity of their staff members if they were working remotely? But if you, I mean, my partner's so busy that when she works from home, she gets loads more done than when she's in the office. She's constantly being pulled into meetings and asked to do various, you know, peripheral things when she's in the office. But when she works from home, she tends to get so much more done.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, you're right. So, I mean, it wouldn't work so much if, if you if, if the management style is about, you know, looking over people's shoulders and making sure that they're really working. Um, but I think, you know, in a lot of our work that we're moving away from that. We're about, you know, um, about knowledge, about kind of um, being effective and, and spreading their time in a way that's most effective rather than thinking, you know, you've got to be there from nine to five and you've got to show you're working. So, you know, I think, I think the, the, the workplace is changing and, and that will really, really help things.
0: Two more questions, Tom, and then I'll leave you to it. Yeah, This is a question I ask everybody on a completely separate issue. Inspiring bits of culture, who's your favourite band? What, what band inspires you most?
1: The Country Sound. Uh, it's quite good. Have you heard um, First Aid I Kit? Uh, I have a little bit. Yeah, yeah that's quite good. They are uh, wonderful. But to be honest, um, to be honest nothing, really, nothing really cuts it out there. Um, we're, we're, the world is still waiting uh, for, for, for the new sound, so um, I'm I'm a bit unimpressed really overall. Don't
0: you think you get to a certain age and then you just stop listening to new stuff and and just start sort of pouring over your retrospective archives? Uh,
1: yeah, um, although I'd much prefer to be pouring over the sort of the logic um, and and uh, pumping some new stuff out. But I think I think there's I think there's some really interesting. Like, actually, to be honest, there is some really interesting stuff and um, fantastic I, like. You've got all these things where people are just um, putting out a, a, a song and then other people are remixing it and it's all bouncing around and everything's getting mixed up and it's fantastic. So.
0: Oh, you like the idea of sort of getting some raw material and then throwing it out there for various people to do what they like with it?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. And then you just really get a kind of a, you know, it's classic melting pot, but it's not, it's a global one and um, all the different genres are kind of. Mixing up and um, you know it's 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 really good.
0: A, a song of yours which you sent me ages ago. I'm going to put it on the page which I which I make for my energy special with Tom Laugh. And I'm going to um, I'm going to put your Oasis song on there. Oh no! <laughs> which is brilliant, absolutely brilliant. As I remember, it's a remix and it includes um uh it's it's Oasis. It's the, the backing track of Oasis Wonderwall, is it or?
1: Yeah, it's Wonderwall. It's uh. J-E-J-Z, and then I think it's got a bit of um, U2 on there as well.
0: Has it? Tim, you can
1: go and brush I your shoulders. off, oh, I think that's gotcha.
0: the beat. Oh, it's
1: brilliant. I absolutely love it. If you're feeling like a pimp, nigga, go on, brush your shoulders off. Ladies, is pimp suit, Go on, brush your shoulders off. Niggas, is crazy, baby. Don't forget that boy told you kid. Dad. Turn up your shoulder. I'll probably go with y'all. Probably be locked by the force. Trying to hustle some bangs. Drag to go with the posh. Feeling old for Mars. Feeling like my hand was false. Middle finger to the law. Niggas gripping my balls. Said the ladies, they love me. From the bleachers, they screaming. All the ballers is bouncing. They like the way I be leaning. All the rappers be hating. Hope the trap that I'm making. Put all the hustlers, they love it. Just to see one of us make it. Came from the bottom with bottom. To the top of the pot, books. Lunch. What's your favorite book?
0: Something that you've loved and in fact been inspired by, and maybe given to somebody else. Uh,
1: can I give you three? Nice, and then otherwise, I won't look so um mental. Um, the first one is um, it's uh, an existential one which is um, it's called Nausea, um, by uh, uh Jean Paul Sartre. Nausea, um, nausea, yeah. Um, and it's um pretty pretty amazing in that it kind of just for me uh gave me a sort of a different perception of uh of the world um, uh then the cliche one but lots of people choose this but it's called fountainhead by um Ayn rand she was a bit um a bit extreme um as a, a as a person the uh, the author but um I quite, I quite like the the sort of the simplicity of the uh of of the the idea um in it overall can and you describe the quite... idea very briefly basically it's an architect um and he does things in a way that is purely how he thinks it should be so it's pure it's art, artistic kind of um purity basically and he doesn't compromise his artistic uh, stance um and and ba- basically that's the moral philosophy of this this person that you know you have to just do things purely you know it's, it's an argument against cooperation and just kind of compromise um so it's, it's quite quite extreme in some ways but it's quite interesting um, the third book is called Little Prince, and it's by uh, this author, a French author called um, Antoine de Saint-Exupery. Okay. Exupery. I never pronounced that right, but...
0: I, those references are great because I haven't read any of those books, and I, I'm going on holiday in a couple of weeks, and I will definitely buy at least one.
1: You should get a Little Prince. I mean, it's, it's kind of it's sort of for children in some ways, but it's actually for... it's quite nice. As it well.
0: works on many levels, as the cliche goes. Yeah. Give, give me a, a brief synopsis of The Little Prince.
1: It's um, a little prince who lives on a planet and um, wants to travel around and does a bit of travelling and um, ends up on Earth and then um, uh, meets uh, a few interesting individuals um, and then sort of disappears. (laughs) And that's it.
0: Okay, it sounds a little bit like some kind of fable. Is there a fable in there?
1: Yes, it is a fable. What's the message? I think there are lots of messages in there. It's quite poignant um, that the author disappeared um he was a he was a pilot um and and he sort of his plane um went down somewhere i don't think they've actually recovered the plane but he sort of um disappeared sometime after he wrote the book so there's some kind of strange kind of symmetry there
0: absolutely so the, the little prince goes missing and so did the author ultimately
1: uh yeah exactly um but it's one of the it's a funny book that i read um first when i was Ten and then I kind of sort of tried to read every um, every ten years. (laughs) It hasn't quite worked like that, but it's been it's it's kind of nice to a bit of a continuity.
0: I had a book which left a massive imprint on me when I was a kid, and I've never been able to find it since. It was called something along the lines of People's Places and Countries or something like that, and it was it was very picture based. Um, It was just describing the world, the past, the present, and the future. And, you know, as a kid, your imagination runs riot and getting this sort of information and all these sorts of pictures of how how people might look in the future in terms of being composed of all sorts of metal and titanium parts. And my partner even bought me a a namesake um, last Christmas, which I was so disappointed when I opened it. It was some sort of hardback novel from the 1900s, early 1900s, from some sort of scoutmaster just sort of, Talking about his his, his experiences as a scout master. <laughs> it was not it was not the book that I remember. The
1: natural high.
0: just wanted to leave you with a quick reminder that you can contact me by email at oliver at naturalhigh.club and you can find all the show notes for this podcast and loads of other podcasts by simply going to naturalhigh.club forward slash podcast see you next time